This is Comic Picks by the Glick. And I'm your host, Jason Glick. Okay, this week we're talking talking about a, uh, an idea that's near and dear to most um, comics art, or at least the uh, comics published by Marvel and DC. That is continuity. Continuity. That's that stuff where, you know, the warp engine's supposed to go, um, you know, a certain speed in one episode, and if it doesn't go that way in the other episode, or it's, or was it the warp engine was created by one guy... You know, it doesn't do the same thing. Anyway, continuity. Pretty much. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> so, so basically, we got like we have to make sure things line up. Yeah. Basically, we're doing like the problems with telling an ongoing story over years and years of time. Okay. It's like and like after like like a lot of comics posed by Marvel and DC have, have been going on for like um, forty plus years now. Right. And at this point, you got to wonder like, well, like what point does continuity become a burden versus be, become versus being an asset? I mean, it's like if you're gonna like require someone to know like say. All this stuff that's gone on in the past 10, 20, or even 30 years, like prior to reading this comic, I mean, mm-hmm. like, what's the point of having it around then? Right. So, so they have like an encyclopedia or something like that. Yeah, that I mean, there's even that? been like, there's like an industry in this. I mean, like, mm-hmm. Marvel and DC continue to publish guides to you, like, what's going on with all these characters and what's uh, uh, characters, stories, all stuff that's been going on for, his, for history. Like, I mean, like, mining their history has been a big business, more so for DC over the years. Um, though with Marvel, you see, with Marvel, though, it's like, as far as continuity goes, there's one um, particular series that, that's been made a business of uh, having, like, a, an unwieldy continuity, like, for years now. And, of course, I speak of the X-Men. X-Men. Yeah, because, well, the X-Men have been, have been one of the best-selling franchises for Marvel and comics in general over the last few decades. It's like they've, it's like, it's, they've always been notorious for having a problem with, you know, it's like, well, yeah, True, we know that they're they're mutants. Like, you know, like they're aberrations of normal society, and they're hated and feared. They sworn to protect, protect like on um, everyone. And in, in uh, as part of their their mentor, Professor Professor Xavier's like dream for human humans and mutants to live together. Mm-hmm. But the problem is like that 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 general like mission statement isn't enough these days to get just you an X Men story, because now X Men story has been put over years of soap opera between like hundreds of mutants individual storylines it's like you look at you see one character and like they've got like they had a storyline that's going on for years and you were like well how am i gonna how do i get into this like how am i gonna like be able to get find appreciate the story if i don't know all this stuff well you see like every once in a while marvel decides hey declares hey you know what this is a perfect jumping on point like this is like for our new readers and old fans this is the perfect um storyline you can like um jump start reading and not have to worry about continuity at all so so, basically, like um, you know, uh, I'll just make one up. Like asteroid hits the Earth. Now what? Are you talking about stuff like that? Kind of yeah, but usually more often than not, coincides with like a new writer or artist coming along. Okay. And this ties into like basically like this comic book I'm talking about right now, Supernovas. All right. Which collects the first year of stories by uh, by new writer Mike Carey. Alrighty. Now Carey has um, made his name writing um, weird weird supernatural stories for Vertigo. Best known. Was known for his um, excellent run on Lucifer and his um, much less so run on Hellblazer, mm-hmm. but Carrie actually has a fairly good handle on on X Men continuity for for someone who's been writing for DC for the past several years. And this actually makes um, Supernovas a better um, jumping on point than most for for new readers. Though when I say new readers, I mean readers of people who've read X Men in the past mm-hmm. as well as people who've never read X Men stories before. Because if you've never read X Men stories before, you're gonna look at this and go. Duh. Who are these people? Yeah, exactly. 
Wolverine? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, Wolverine doesn't even show up a whole lot in this story. I mean, yeah. like, he shows up, like, a little while because he's, he's an X-Man. Right. But um, more often than not, like, mm. this, this, the new X-Men team that Carrie focuses on is with um, Mystique, Sabretooth, Cable, um, Cannonball, Iceman, um, Lady Mastermind, and um, Omega Sentinel. And that. you're probably thinking, like, well, I, I know um, Mystique and Sabretooth and Iceman, but who are these other people? I know. Uh, well, yeah. I personally, I know Cable, and I know a lot of other guys. So, yeah. but uh, but yeah, yeah. Because the thing, but is, I like, mean, if you if, but, and I can totally see the point of view of someone. It's like, oh, I saw the third X Men movie. I haven't seen anything else. I liked it. Let me pick up this. Ah! <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a big problem. Like, because if you're coming to this like from reading the X movies and like the X movies, and those are great um, by themselves, but like really, it's like they're they're best enjoyed like independently from the comics because like there's really no way to like. Line them up directly right. with the comics themselves. Yeah, and to be honest, let me digress for a second by saying that if you're looking for the one X Men story you need to read, like that, you just read this and then just not bother with X Men ever again. Read Grant Morrison's New X Men, currently available in a um, nice one volume omnibus for a hundred bucks, which is well worth the price, mm-hmm. and currently being also being reprinted right now in three um, soft cover editions as well. Cool. That's the absolute one story you need to read, as far as I'm concerned. However, if you do have an affinity for X-Men and you like you like their history, then Supernovas is also a good buy as well. Because Carrie does have a great handle on the on the characters. He's writing them properly. Um I, if you've read if you read them read the series before, you'll look look at this and see like, hey, you know what? I remember these characters. This is how they used to act. This is exactly what I want from an X X-Men story. It's people beat it's a bunch of people beating the crap out of each other with some nice ideas thrown in as thrown in as well. And there are also lots of good ideas as well, because even though Carrie is like Imagination has previously been demonstrated to be more on the um, imaginative supernatural side. He does display a good, decent handle on what it takes to write a good X Men story here. Because, like, the first story basically, um, there are four separate stories in, um, collected here. Basically, the first story involves a group called the Children of the Vault, a group, group of time accelerated um, humans who basically like, undergone several thousand years of evolution in just a few years, but have now been awakened. And basically, see the X Men and other mutants as a threat to their existence. And basically, going to like wipe them, wipe them out. Yeah. Hmm. The second story, um, basically, is just like a um, big whack of the reset button for um, two characters, um, North Star and Aurora, um, two members of Alpha, Alpha right, who carry as an obvious affinity for, and they've been basically like um, they've been, they've been involved with like um, mindless killers, and Carrie just goes and hits the reset button for them, while also setting up the. Um, Setting up the uh, new the, the uh, crossover for the current X Men crossover called Messiah Conflicts, which maybe I'll touch upon in a later podcast. Then you've got another story after that where where um, Rogue, the X Men who has the ability to absorb um, other other mutants' powers, basically um, winds up um, being a target of a mad scientist named Pandemic who wants to use his po- use her powers to live forever. Mm. And finally, it wraps up with after Rogue um, gets um, gets like uh, infected with a bad bad virus and Pandemic. She wants to be taken to Cable's um, island utopia of... Ah, I wish I could remember it off the top of my head, but... Uh, he, she gets taken to his island utopia to be, um, to be healed. Mm-hmm. Problem is, um, this also represents a culmination of like the entire years of the plot lines. They also have a, uh, a, a Shi'ar weapon, which is the, the um, space empire that, um, space empire from other X-Men comics. Basically, nice. like, they've got a... Uh, one of their weapons physically finds its way to this, this island colony in, um, after being tracked by by something else. 
Mm-hmm. And now basically winds up destroy, have, destroying Cable's colony while the X-Men have to fight it off. Mm. Now, see, this is, like I said, it's, I don't think this is like, this is great arty comics, but it's lots, of, but it's like, it's good X-Men stuff. Lots of stuff being fought, lots of, lots of good ideas being, being told with lots, lots of great art as well from, from Chris Bacallo, Clayton Henry, Humberto Ramos, and, and Mark Brooks. Like, Ramos does a, I mean, I'm sorry, Bacallo does a great job, like, even though he's tends to, like, sacrifice, um, um, clarity for detail. He most time does do a good job of telling the telling the story and like doing lots of nice, great images as well, such as the Hecatomb, the Shi'ar weapon that's um, that basically makes mincemeat of Cable's island colony. Mm-hmm. And it's like he's and the and the other and like while well, um so well Clayton Henry's and Mark Brooks are just good superhero stuff. Rick Ramos has a great, nice cartoony style that lends itself well to the to the great action in the pandemic arc. Okay, but really, it's like. It's like I said. It's this is only an appeal of like for people who've liked X Men in the past before. I mean, you've you've, you've read X Men stories before. You're gonna read this and think, hey, you know, this is gonna be a nice warm feeling. But when I, but X Men I used to like, you know, like anywhere else, you're gonna probably be like totally lost by this. I mean, because like, most of the time when Order of Marvel says this is a great jumping on point, it's usually bullshit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But this, like I said, like if you have, like I said, you're an old X Men fan. And you've wondered like, hey, you know, what? I wish I. What's, what are the X-Men up to these? I'd like to know. Supernovas, good place to start. Excellent. Yeah. But hey, that's just for uh, series that are still going with 40 years of continuity. Because every once in a while, Marvel or DC would decide to heck, go and hit the reset button and say, hey, you know what? We've, this series has kind of too much continuity. It's become a burden to this thing. We're just going to go ahead and hit the, hit the reset button and give everyone a clean start. Mm-hmm. Now, DC loves to do that for the entire universe. Marvel realizes that, hey, you know what? Our continuity, continuity isn't that bad. We can still make a go of things. But hey, you know what? What if we decided like, what if what if our characters were created today instead of instead of in the past? Mm. That's where the ultimate imprint from Marvel comes from, <clears throat> and um, this is where they've um, given fresh starts to um, such char- to characters like Spider-Man, the X-Men, Fantastic Four, and the Avengers. So Spider-Man, we're gonna start with a spider bite again. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's true. The the thing is though, it's like I like to that you know you might want to say like, well, hey, if you were talking about X-Men before. Why don't you talk about Ultimate X Men right now? The um, Ultimate Titles X um, X Men mm-hmm. series, mm-hmm. and while there's been plenty of good Ultimate X Men stories, it's kind of gone off the rails after a while because it's it hasn't had like it's had several different creators over the years, and like there's there's getting the point where we're experiencing diminishing returns. And I kind of fear like you know it's like if the series is I'm kind of buying the series because I've liked what's gone before, but ah. Uh, Whatever. Anyway, that can't be said of Ultimate Spider-Man, which for my money, hey, if you like Spider-Man, this is a series you have to read. Because it because Ultimate Spider-Man, it's just about Peter Parker. He's bitten by a spider, and he's given his powers proportional to a spider. And he goes and has, goes and has um, adventures, like fighting against like supervillains like Kraven the Hunter, it's like Dr. Octopus, and, and the Green Goblin. Right. But the re- what makes Ultimate Spider-Man work Say more to the point than that just about any other title published by Marvel and DC these days. Is that it's it's from from first volume to its current nineteenth volume. It's been written by the same person, Brian Michael Bendis, hmm. and Bendis has a great handle about what about how to make Spider-Man work. I mean, he just knows that Spider-Man's like he's he's insecure. He likes to make jokes when things get, things get tough, mm-hmm. but he's got a great sense of honor and duty about. But the whole great power means great responsibility. Right. He understands what makes Spider-Man work, and 
he's demonstrated that throughout all all the 18, all the nineteen volumes of Spider Man that he's written so far. Even more impressively is that for eighteen of these volumes, they were they were all illustrated by uh, Mark Bagley. Wow! Yeah, he throws in some great throws in some great Spider Spider Man art, and it's like it's impressive. That he's actually been able to keep with them with the frequency of Bendis' scripts all these years, but but Bagley, it's like he's just doing such a great job. And the new artist Stuart Amonin has also done a great job of like taking over for him, giving the series like a new energy and and giving the art more kinetic feel than it's had previously. Mm. With Spider-Man, but Ultimate Spider-Man, it's just... I mean, it's like, all you need to know is just like the basic gist of Spider-Man in order to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, when you look at what's going on in the um, ultimate regular, the regular Marvel Universe continuity, where, Sp- where Spider-Man's marriage has recently been annulled by Satan <laughs> in order so they can reset Spider-Man's status quo back to the swinging 70s, mm-hmm. where he's, hey, he's not married to Mary Jane. He's just going around having fun. And well, I've heard these stories aren't supposed to be that bad. I mean, just the fact that they had to bring in Satan, or Marvel <laughs> Universe's equivalent, Mephisto, mm-hmm. to do this. I mean, it just shows you off, kind of how far off they've, they've gotten. I mean, like, if you like Spider-Man from the movies... Ultimate Spider-Man, he's that he's that Spider-Man. So it's kind of a clean, kind of clean cut, and come back to the you know just the the base premise of of what he is instead of trying to pull the story out from yeah. the original from the originals. Exactly. I mean, this mm-hmm. is like I said, this is kind of like Ultimate Spider-Man is kind of what the um, regular Marvel Universe Spider-Man titles kind of aspire to do at the moment. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, and and even then, after a hundred issues, hundred plus issues now, mm-hmm. like it's still being written by Bendis. And even then, it's like you're still got a certain amount of continuity. I mean, you're there's Ben is still kind of telling like an overarching story about, but with um, recurring characters like Doctor, like Spider-Man's conflicts with Doctor Octopus and the Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. And like, there's some points you if you you can't just well, some later volumes are more newbie friendly than others. There are some ones where it actually do draw directly on what has gone before. Mm-hmm. It's like yet yeah, there are issues with continuity there. It's not as pressing as they are in say X Men or most other superhero titles. But they're still there. Mm. Now, when it comes to running a series for over 40 years <laughs> and making continuity less of an issue than before, well, I can put this. Leave it to the Japanese to show us, show us how it's done. That's right. Yeah, because this week's, because <laughs> like we're bringing this week's manga title is none other than Golgo 13. Gotcha. Because you see, recently, um, a couple months back, um, Viz. Viz finished publishing um, 13 volumes of Golgo 13's Greatest Hits, so to speak. But Golgo 13 has been running for over 40 years in Japan Mm -hmm. and has gotten over some 500 500 missions. Mm -hmm. And really, it's like, the secret to Golgo 13's success, I mean, like, because all you need to know about Golgo 13 in order to enjoy any one of his random volumes, I mean, you can just pick it like just about any volume and enjoy it, because all you need to know is Golgo 13 is the most badass assassin Ever, <laughs> period. Because, mm-hmm. but the secret to this is that most of the stories aren't about Gogo Thirteen. Like there is no Gogo Thirteen story. Like he's not trying to. Like I've heard described by the by his creator Takao Sato that he is that Gogo Thirteen is not a passionate man, but he is trying to become more passionate about things, and you can see elements of that in these stories. But pretty much like all stories just defined by Gogo Thirteen's ironclad. Ironclad ethics about like I'm handling any kind of hitman job. I mean, like you look at I imagine that you like the uh, Gogo Thirteen stories, the published by Viz, colors, pr- cover like a mm, fairly wide like um twenty or thirty year spectrum, and like he really hasn't changed at all. 
you can just look at any story from Golo from one of these ones, like that's the same Golo Thirteen that was before. I mean, like he's still a, he's a master assassin. Like he sleeps with the uh, he's with like occasional women because he's that sexually potent. <laughs> yeah, and like he'll do so. That's a that's a crazy job. Like the time he like the time he once once spent he once spent time in uh, prison with Nelson Mandela in order to complete a hit. Huh. Yeah, he even went to uh, the uh, the Team N Square uprising in order to take out take out like some take out some guy who the uh, Tibetans um, needed to take out in order to uh, secure their future. So he's integrated him himself. They've integrated some of these with uh, real events that have happened in history. Yeah, that's that's been kind of the trend with um, the Golo Thirteen stories published. Is one 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 for each volume. One story has been has been um, published picked to tie in with current events. The other one has been published for pure um, pulp. Like pulp nostalgia. It's like show him show him how badass he was back in the seventies. Right. Like, what one of the reasons like the last volume is probably the best example of this because like it contains like a possible origin story with for Bobo thirteen, mm-hmm. which I think it's just generally a bad idea to like offer him a definitive origin. Mm-hmm. But this one is good enough to make you wish, hey, you know what? That would be a nice origin for Golgo. Now, but however, it's it it's not quite as entertaining as the last volume as the other story, which basically deals with. Gold War XIII's part in the 2000 presidential elections in America. Because you know what? It turns out that Gold War XIII was a hanging chad. Because <laughs> he was hired by a guy in order to, by a guy who worked in the in the gardens in the pres, in the Clinton administration. He just felt like Clinton was just such a, a an amoral president in terms of his personal ethics that he just wanted to uh, hand the presidency to Bush over Gore. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny to look at this now and think, hey, you know what? You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I wish he, wish I knew what the guy, what the uh, writer for the story would have would have written had he known how things would have turned out. Yeah, but really, the more I've, as I've read these um, stories from these stories from Golo thirteen over, the, like over these thirteen volumes, it mainly appears that like the secret success is that he's that rather than just like having a stock formula Golo thirteen story, it's like it's he most serves the vehicle for the writers to tell tell their particular stories. Like say, if they want to do like a, like a spy, like a spy thriller, or a, okay, or a seventies gangster story, they can just bring in Golgo Thirteen to do this. Like they can just tell the story, and then once the characters encounter it, like a problem they can't solve, they bring in Golgo Thirteen to take care of this. Mm. Now I'm not saying there's there's a certain amount of formulaicness to all these stories. Cause like, I mean, you know, Golgo Thirteen, he's gonna pull off every single like impossible hit they can imagine. I mean that there are some problems with this where. At one point, he's he or, he um he in order to pull off a hit, he tells this this one mobster to give his son a uh, like a, a belt that'll allow him to reflect bullets onto this one guy. I mean, you're saying like, well, that that's um kind of like unrealistic. <laughs> As is the first volume, which basically has it has a great setup for like Golthrin going to Iraq, take out this Iraqi super gun, but then like it's dealt with in like just three pages because Golthrin pulled off this. <laughs> like it's a snipe across the water. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that was it. That's it. Yeah, I mean, so I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, like, well, I'm glad I gave that. See, that's the thing. It's like, if you do buy the series, the first volume is easily the weakest. Mm. After that, the stories keep getting better. Up to the point where Golo Thirteen has to go to a perform a hit in outer space. <laughs> yeah, it's great because like, he like there's a uh, there's a U.S. satellite spy satellite that's just going to drift in front of a. Uh, U.S. Soviet um, peace conference in space, and uh, he has to go out. He has to um, go there in order to. He has to snipe it out of its way, the satellite out of its way, in order to make sure this conference goes goes smoothly. Mm-hmm. But there are some elements in the American military who figure that hey, you know what? 
Google 13. It's like, you can't trust him. He's an assassin. Yeah, just stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's the essence of a good Google 13 story. Mm. And hey, it's great. And like that's really, it's like, the way these 13 volumes turned out, I kind of wish for that they'd go and do 13 more. Because mm. there are also like lots of great extras in each story supplied by um, the edit, series editor and adapter, Carl Gustav Horn, who supplies his usual excellent translation for each for each volume. Mm. And really, more than anything else, I kind of wish that we'd, we'd see more cool 70s series like this. Because I've talked in the past about, about how um, I bought um, The Drifting Classroom because I wanted to see more good old school series. Right. Go with the team is the bottom of a good old school series I'd like to see more of. So definitely a plus on all three of these uh, different sets you have here. To yeah, it's like, it just depends on your mentality. I mean, it's yeah. like, I can't say that Gold Three is going to really appeal to just about everyone, but if you're like a, like a good like crime or suspense or action thriller, oh, I have to tell about the time Gold Three like managed to um, stop a nuclear explosion <laughs> by firing a grenade launcher at just the right point in a... In, oh in a, wow! All in right. a nuclear nuclear power plant, I mean, like, it could have been ridiculous. But that's also a good thing thing to point out. The, the, uh, the you can tell the writers for each of these stories do their research. Like they, there's enough details in each story to tell you that hey, you know what? We're not just like making this shit up. We actually like we actually like went and researched this this stuff to know what's going to go on. Right. Yeah, but like it's varying degrees of recommendation for all these. Like I said, if you're like if you're in, if you've read X Men before and you like them, but you haven't read them in years. I recommend Supernovas is a good recommend, good way to get back into things. Mm-hmm. If you like good Spider-Man stories, then or just superhero stories in general, then Ultimate Spider-Man comes recommended without reservation. Or if you just kind of like have a basic movie knowledge, maybe you could jump. Yeah, into if you that like, sure. if you like, if you like the Spider-Man movies, and you want to read some more Spider-Man stories, Ultimate Spider-Man, mm-hmm. just for you. <laughs> and if you like good, good, good action tales like span that span like for. Periods from like seventies, eighties, nineties, and the aughts, mm-hmm. like Goal Thirteen. It's like great action manga for fun for for anything who likes this stuff. All right, sounds pretty cool. Yep. And on that note, that's it for this week. All right, we'll catch, catch you, you later. later. See you later. <laughs>